Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. Now you may notice my voice is a little bit different because I'm losing it slowly because I've been ill. So I'm hoping everybody will be well behaved. And by everybody, I mean our guest this week, Alison Rudd. Julian Lawrence and Rory K. Smith. Coming up on the show, we'll be talking some FA Cup, we'll be talking some Player of the Year, we'll be talking some boycott, but first, let's focus on the game which may have decided the title, Chelsea and Manchester United. Falcao barged off the ball with great ease by Terry. This is Fabregas. And Azard is in here for Chelsea, who have the lead. It's their first shot on goal, and Manchester United are undone. United come into this game, they've got, they're in a great run of form. They also have a bunch of players out, from Carrick to, to Dali Blint, uh, to Jones. They weren't going to be that much of a threat, but Mourinho was going to take no chances and put out, I mean, he didn't just park the bus, he parked all of transport for London in front of uh, Courtois' goal, right? I don't think it, I didn't get the sense that Mourinho made very special um, dispensations for it being United. I think Chelsea have gradually becoming more like they used to be under Mourinho this season, to be honest. And there are plenty of teams who, not just at home, but at the bridge, have come away from the bridge thinking, oh, we had quite a bit of possession and we were able to express ourselves. How come we didn't win? It's weird and it's a recurring theme on this podcast, but he doesn't he doesn't see his tired players and think, I'll freshen it up. He just says, OK, you're staying in the team. If you're tired, just go defensive and just concentrate on the basics. And they play very deep and that means whoever's playing in front of the defence, they sort of join the defence and they give the opposition plenty of space in midfield. So I'm not, su- I'm not surprised that United felt they, they played well and they, because they were given space in which to play well, but they couldn't really do anything with it because there was like six defenders most of the time. Right. It's I, kind I, of peculiar. I, I, I mean, I was kind of fascinated by this because and I, and I actually went and I looked up the stats. The United had more than 70% possession and it's the highest total at Stamford Bridge since they've been keeping track. And Mourinho rightly says, I don't, I don't really care. They could have had 99% possession. What matters is that that we won. But it was also interesting to me is this season only three and only in three other games has the home team out of all the teams in the league, including the really bad ones, only three times has a team had less possession at home. And it was actually twice Crystal Palace and once whole city. No other top manager would do this. We have this idea, right, that you're a big team at home and you know you you have a responsibility to play and your, your philosophy and, and all this jazz. Mourinho just doesn't mind that he just doesn't care about that. He'll he'll go and he, he'll do stuff like this. Well, maybe that's his maybe that's his genius that he's not kind of influenced by groupthink. Depending on the type of possession, it's kind of a meaningless statistic. But it's not just possession; it's the personnel you send out there. Because if you put Zuma in in, in midfield, if you tell Spiliqueta and Ivanovic not to cross the halfway line, you're just conceding possession. Salison says you're defending way way deep. You're 
basically playing for the draw, which in the broad scheme no, of things I, makes sense. I don't think that's true. I think the, the whole the whole issue of playing for the draw is, is totally misleading. I, I don't think teams ever play for a draw. I think they play to minimise the risk of losing. But I don't think Mourinho would never send a team out to try and draw. Even at Anfield last year, which was kind of the, the ultimate Mourinho performance of the second phase of his time at Chelsea, I don't think they were trying to draw. I think they were saying, right, we're not going to concede and we will get a chance. They're trying not to lose, first and which foremost. not far from it. I don't see the genius by, you know, playing so defensive at home when you've got arguably one of the best squad in no, the that, country. That's a different debate. Like whether whether is that the best use of of Chelsea's resources? I don't, I don't know. Could Chelsea be more than than a team who can sort of sit sit there and say, right, we're not going to lose a game? Yeah, probably. Well, and we know because over the course of the season, they have, it's not like they they play like this every week. They they first half of the season he played, I thought, much more attacking football. You know the Rooney chance early on. If you go a goal down and you've put out that lineup with Zuma and all that jazz you're kind of stuck at that point because then you have to change you have to change the game you, you've got the wrong players out there you're burning substitutions don't look too clever so it, it is I think a, a gamble it's a calculated risk for Mourinho yeah and I, and I really wish Rooney had scored I just would have liked to see Mourinho's face after like it was five minutes or ten minutes and him going like okay right maybe if I can push Zuma a bit higher nah that won't work uh, maybe my, nah that won't work let's make a change after 20 minutes I was so disappointed. I got up in the morning. Even my six-year-old got excited by the game. He said, that's going to be a great game, Daddy. And I was like, I was probably naive, but I said, yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. Like, yeah, let's watch it together. It's going to be fantastic. And then I believe s- you again. I know. And then I saw the lineup, and, and I just went, oh, here we go again. I don't want to criticise your parenting, but is there is there not an element... Like, I've, I've never been less excited by a football match than I was by Chelsea Manchester United. I, it just it completely. Yeah, but you can admit that before before seeing the lineup, you could have thought, okay, this could be a cracker. You know, no. if, if 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 Chelsea goes, if Chelsea go for it, United will go for it. They've been playing probably their best football of the season. Chelsea, even without Costa and Remy up front, even with good old Drogba, still potentially can play very good football. And we've said in the first half of the season they play really well. So I thought, okay, maybe this time Mourinho won't park the bus and the whole M25 in front of his goal, and maybe we'll have a game. And we didn't. But just the circumstances. And I was disappointed. The circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it was worse than you maybe thought it would be. But the circumstances of it is this sort of fake title race. Like we've all been sort of there's this mass mass cognitive delusion that we've got a title race. We don't. It's ridiculous. But why? It says on our strips, title <laughs> over. Question. It doesn't say question mark. But title over. Yeah. Well, the, t- the title's been over since January. How their season's gone. The sort of great first half, really poor, fatigued second half. How does Mourinho respond to that in the summer? What does he do? I think he goes to his fitness people, he locks them in a room, and he pummels their flabby buttocks. I look at this and I say it has to be one of two things. Either Mourinho decided not to rotate because he's making some sort of very silly statement, and and I don't trust Shirley, I don't trust Ramirez, I don't trust Mikel, I'm going to play the same guys every week to prove a point because I'm a freaking child. I don't believe that. I, I mean, Jose Mourinho's not been like this throughout his career. He has rotated, he has used wider squads. It's just this season he's chosen to do this. So then I'm tempted to say Jose Mourinho hasn't rotated for much of the season because his medical staff said, we're training in a certain way, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the, the guys can handle it. The guys can handle it. There, there's no there, there's no international competition this summer. You're fine. You know, Go ahead and play Brano for every minute of every game and get the benefits of chemistry and, and, and all this stuff, especially as you're introducing a new system with new players and key positions like Diego Costa and, and Sask. Oh, yeah, but it's there is some nuance in this. They're not 
they're not hobbling, are they, at the moment? There's just a, a general sense that they've been pushed too hard. Oh, no, they're, they're hobbling. They're not uh, actually hobbling. Sesk has got his weirdo Zorro mask and is, is, is running at two miles an hour. Matic is all positioning. I mean, I think one of the reasons he put Zuma in there was because Matic, Matic and Ramirez, there's a good chance they were getting overrun. I mean, Fellaini would have, would have eaten Matic up, I think, given in Matic's current condition. Ivanovic seems to get hurt every five minutes on the pitch, and then he pulls himself up and, you know, adjusts, like, the, the, the chip in the back of his head and then keeps going. <laughs> I, Oscar, of course, his season basically finished in January. Willian couldn't even get a start, which would have been an obvious thing. I'm assuming he also can't walk right now. Uh, Hazard is the only one somehow... And Terry. Yeah. And, and Terry, Terry, which yeah. is weird. You yeah, know, exactly, because he's 42. Exactly, and, and yeah... Apart from that, but do you remember last season after the, the defeat against Atletico Madrid? Hazard on French telly was really critical of Mourinho, saying we don't play nice football. We don't. And I know, I know Hazard would be player of the year, football football player of the year, whatever it's called. We'll get to that. We'll get the, to that. There's a hurricane Sorry. coming. He would win the league, so he would, you know, he would, he would feel nice. But surely today, Eden Hazard, even after his goal on Saturday, must feel like. We're playing like rubbish. That's not the football Eden Hazard wants to be playing. I'm really sorry. I'm not even sure it's the football Oscar wants to be playing or William wants to be playing where he spends his time more running back towards his goal than towards the opposition's goal. I know that's Mourinho philosophy and I know some players fit that philosophy like Diego Costa, fair enough. But if I was Hazard, I'd be really like, you know, I love London. My kids and my, my wife are happy here. I love Chelsea. The people are great. The fans are great, blah, blah, blah. But this is not enjoyable, I'm sorry. I can't find that enjoyable. But Mourinho would come back and say, Eden, in this moment, we have to play this way because the first half <laughs> yeah, of the season, maybe. we played great. We played that maybe. great attacking football that you love, and now we pay a price for it. Mourinho set out at the start of the season that he wanted a smaller squad than normal. He was deliberate about that, and you can never tell with Jose whether he's, like you say, like saying something for effect or just talking or saying it because he thinks that that's what Abramovich wants to hear but he seemed genuinely happy he didn't seem to think that they needed any extra no. infusion of, of new blood you then don't sell Schürrle which isn't a great idea necessarily but he didn't like Schürrle anyway clearly didn't trust him and Salah and Salah who must go down as the weirdest signing in, in the last five years it's just bizarre what happened with Salah they bought him and then he straight away didn't fancy him it was ridiculous the query for me now is that in the summer yeah, fine, he talks the fitness people, that's not a problem. Does he go and get a bigger squad? Does he go and get two or three extra bodies in and start rotating again? I don't know he needs a bigger squad, he just needs to play the people he has. There's no reason why Quadrado can't be part of a rotation with the other... With, with, yeah, I mean, I look yeah. at him, I say he's not an obvious Mourinho player, but are we not talking that he needs a 25-man squad? But it's the guys on the bench that he had never, ever freaking played. Shirley, Salah, Mikel... I nerded out and I went and I looked at the uh, at the, 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 the statistics. So Zuma and Matic each had two touches in the in the opposition's attacking third uh, the whole game. Aspiliqueta and Ivanovic, who aren't exactly big attacking threats normally, but they still average about fifteen touches in the opposition attacking third. They I think one had two and the other one had five. <laughs> this was a very conscious decision. That, that that he made and something's going on and 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 then remember and, and they've been lucky too because they haven't had any serious injuries uh, you know apart from the you know the, the Diego Costa hamstring mm-hmm. coming on and off but you know most of them if you look at what Bayern Munich went through this year if you look at United and so on even Arsenal as well yeah. had a few players out for three four months what would Barino have done if if Terry'd gone out for three four months or or, or Hazard or so the, I don't think there was that much controversy in the game. But one incident I, I was really struck by is that the Cahill on Herrera late in the game and 
we often criticize referees when they're rubbish. I thought this was a very, very good call because when you slow it down anyway, you see, I think, quite clearly that Cahill is basically standing there and Herrera engages him with his leg looking for the foul. Yeah, but you can't win if you're a referee, can you? Because I, don't, I don't, can't remember which pundit it was, but they immediately start saying, how on earth can the referee know that's what happened? Like, it's just, well, he got very lucky, didn't he? There were enough clues there that it was a dive. The, the manner of the fall was a little twitchy. And you can see from Cahill's reaction, he was, he was sort of briefly astonished Yeah, I don't think we want Cahill it. to be our match official. But, yeah, I... I, I I well, that, as, as, a, as an official, you're taking everything into account, aren't you? What, the re- re- reaction? The, the, yeah, because some reactions are, qu- are quick enough to be real as opposed to fake. And some dives look dives rather than real. And the pace of the game. And, you know, there's a whole load of factors. I was curious about Van Hal's reaction afterwards. I think we, we all saw that interview when when the, that bloke from the... Whoever it is from BBC says, you know, are you frustrated? And he says no. And he says he played. They played their best game of the season. Is this Van Hal being sarcastic, or I think he didn't get the question. I really believe he didn't understand the question. He, you know, he he thought frustrated as in, you know, you're not happy by the performance of the team. Not frustrated and your team played well. Should have got something out of the game. I really think he completely misunderstood the question. If that's the case, then why are we putting this sequence on television? If if you think, I mean, did, did you do you, you guys think Julian's just making excuses for his fellow dubious foreigner, or like, <laughs> did, did, <laughs> no, do you think Van Hal was just being a freak and harassing the interviewer? But then at the same time, Van, Van Hal has said there's some like there's some times when Van Hal says stuff that you just sort of think like if David Moyes said that he'd have been slaughtered for it, and Van Hal quite often says things that are actually kind of honest, but at the same time a little bit downbeat. Do his press conference before the Manchester derby. And he said, oh, you know, it's, it's not bad losing to City twice in a season, but it is bad losing to Swansea twice in a season. And you sort of think, right, so logically, yeah, that's fine, that works, I can kind of understand what you're getting at. But at the same time, you don't say that before a derby, surely. So do you think, is it a cultural th- gap? Is it a language thing? Is it a... He says stuff that if other managers said it, they'd get slaughtered for, but Van Gaal seems to get away with it. Benteke is onside. Lovely back heel. Grealish. Delft. 2-1 Villa, they've come from behind and sense they might be returning here for the FA Cup final. We're on to the FA Cup semi-final, the FA Cup Yay! at Wembley! <laughs> and later I'll be getting on to the doofuses who scheduled the, the, the Arsenal FA Cup semi-final at the same time as the Chelsea United thing. By the way, how did you resolve that in your household? Mummy works for Arsenal yeah. and you, you sit there and you watch Chelsea United? We had... Uh, the FA Cup on the telly and Chelsea United on the iPads. But you're going to make your kid look at the was little at the, Mrs. 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 Lawrence was, was at the game. She was at Wembley, so I had the two boys in the house with me. But we were watching everything and Peppa Pig on another iPad as well for the little one. So it was it was all fine. We it was brilliant. Okay, Jack Grealish. I want to start with this in the Villa Liverpool game because I'd seen this guy off and on, and it seems to me it strikes me as a kind of player where. How can I say this in a very nice way? Because there's some catchphrases people use for players like this. Like, he's easy on the eye. He's... That sounds quite set, like sexy. Jack Grealish, he's easy on the eye. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what Michael Owen said in, in, in commentary. And I think they're referring to his style of play rather than his... Um, Body. Exactly. He does seem to have to play the game absolutely effortlessly, which is not something you often associate, and I'm going to say this very nicely, with people from the British Isles. I mean, yeah. even the very skillful ones like Scholes or Gerrard 
don't give off that that sense of of complete. Stoll's did to an extent. Carrick. Yeah, but not, not, yeah, not old Benson Carrick position, does. Not, not, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. That's yeah, true. And also, yeah, not young position. Carrick. Grealish was absolutely outstanding yesterday. He was. Liverpool could not work out what to do with him. Tony, Ooh, ba- Tony yeah. Barrett, who I refuse to believe knows this word, described him in his player ratings as, as adroit. And I, I've never heard Barrett use that in conversation. I think he's got a thesaurus and taken it to the game with him. But he, his movement and his positioning was outstanding. Grealish was extraordinary yesterday and what's odd is that Grealish the delay in his development and him becoming a first team player is because basically there has been an impression out Villa that he's quite cocky you, you see yesterday well now, now that he's got a manager who is so cocky that his <laughs> cockiness is contagious and all of the other players have suddenly become really cocky not to mention as, as Kid Rock points out it ain't bragging when you say it then you back it up right yeah I, and I think we all turn to Kid Rock in moments like that <laughs> you, I think Tim Sherwood is actually a fan of, of Kid Rock as that well as the Beastie Boys they have a, have a degree of of Braddadocio that they that they share. But we should point out he's still what? He's eighteen years old? Or, or 19, 19, 19, 19. I mean we're talking about a very, very young player. So yeah. it's almost funny when you when you talk about his development has been slowed, it just kinda tells you like in terms of ability, if it hadn't been slowed, he'd be in the first team when he's at yeah, 17. No, I th- and we're what, talking- what I mean by that is I think that there was a feeling at Villa that he could have broken through six earlier, months, nine yeah, months earlier. Lambert never really but, but Lambert felt that he, he was getting a bit too big for his, his boots, his brightly coloured boots. Alison, I, I, I know, I think I've heard of you before as a Liverpool fan, but you also like special players. Were you kind of conflicted there? You kind of think, like, if we're going to lose this game, I'm glad we're losing it to Jack Grealish. I enjoyed Jack Grealish's performance. I liked everything about it. I liked the fact that his great-great-grandfather had played mm. for Villa and he looked like he was actually taken from a picture of 19, 1905 with his slick back hair and his refusal to wear shin pads and his refusal to look like he cared about responsibility and he just went and played. And he was very unselfish for someone who's been labelled bit big for their boots. The main criticism I'd have for his performance was he didn't shoot. I mean, he kept passing when he might have had a shot. He was very keen to bring his teammates into it it was almost for a 19 year old as perfect as it can get at Wembley to be honest terrible Tim are, are we now believers little by little are we just going to say like he's just an adult in the vest and he shouts and whatever when or, or, or do we see something there I don't think anyone ever think, has ever said that Sher was like a really bad manager he's just not nearly as good as he thinks he is it's the how do you know how how do you know how good he thinks he is his comportment the yeah. the, um, <laughs> the his words and actions yeah the um it's the same. does he come out and he no, say like I'm very good it's, I mean, the, it's you, the same as Allardyce like Allardyce is a good manager in different types of football but the problem with Allardyce is that Allardyce thinks he's such a good manager that naturally your response has to be that you want him to fail and it's to an extent the same with Sherwood you just want Sherwood to be brought down a peg or two maybe that's happened maybe the fact that he didn't get all those great jobs that he wanted maybe he's now a bit less cocky the throwing of the jacket the thing like that I just can't bear it yesterday after the it's great win fantastic and one of my best friends is a Villa fan well done Villa I'm really glad and Sherwood is doing well I said it would, it would be rubbish there he's doing great fair enough you proved me wrong the thing about walking next to the fans like watching the fan and going like that, all that thing is just like Wait, but sorry, I'm slapping I'm him in the face. Sorry. Julian's mannerisms have become very French. It's good when to Mourinho have does it, y'all love it. No way. No, 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 we don't. No. Are you guys turning your back on Mourinho? No, we're not. It's the same. We're in the Garden of Gethsemane and you're going you're to deny <laughs> Mourinho three times. Are you, Rory? Uh, no one's denying that Mourinho's a good manager, but I don't like that side of him, no. Sure you can't like come on playing to the fans do you like it that all since people mentioned it I started looking for it and I started noticing it but I also kind of feel that to some degree if, if it's genuine and I have to reveal my bias I got 
you know, I, I like Tim Sherwood a little bit as a person. You know, as, as a manager, you know, I think he's taken over in difficult situations twice. He's delivered results as teams have played reasonable football. It's not like he's uber defensive. Is it the max of sophistication? Probably not. But then he hasn't had he hasn't had times. He's been he's been a fireman as our as our boss Clive Petty has put it. So it's I don't know. I, I like to judge him when he's got a preseason and he's got an and actual team. All we're seeing is how his his brand of yeehaw management speak and motivational talk can help a team that's that's become a bit glum and negative and inhibited. Of course he's going to do well in that Villa dressing room because the raw the raw material is good and there's pace and there's youth. Ron, Ron Vlaar, is a, he's, he was in my World Cup team of the year. You know, he, he's got some good defenders in there. It can, in the short term, it can work. Whether he can do it, whether he can do it, whether he's prepared to plan and to map it out and to make the right signings and to talk to the owner about what's required and be patient and build and realise there are games where just being positive isn't enough. If he can do all that, then I too will hold my hands up and say, well, I got it wrong about him because I just... So far, all we've me, seen is that he, 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 deny, he denies that he needs to be tactical. Even, I don't want to take away the gloss from the win at Wembley, but he, he just sort of, he did admit, oh, well, I didn't really care what tactics Liverpool were playing. Maybe he didn't want to talk about, I, I, I might suggest, I, I think there's more to him tactically than people let on. And I might suggest that it could be that he doesn't want to talk about tactics or answer tactical questions. And, and I think actually... There's a lot of managers like this. The test of a manager is whether you can put a campaign together. Sherwood's done brilliantly. They're, they're, he's they're both, not had a chance to do that. They've not had a chance yet to do that. The, the other thing that I, th- I think is important about yesterday is that... So you'd rather talk all the stuff about Sherwood and Villa than talk about No, I'm Liverpool, happy to talk about Liverpool, Liverpool but I, on, on, on Villa. Their fans were extraordinary. And I think that, that it's brilliant to see a team like Villa, that kind of calibre of club, a huge club, but one to whom the FA Cup really means something in the final because I was at the Arsenal-Reading game and when Arsenal scored the first goal the second goal was a bit different it was, a bit, it was such a weird goal the second Arsenal goal that you could understand there was a bit of a delayed response but the first goal they celebrated but they didn't really mean it Like teams like Arsenal and Chelsea and United and to an extent like City and Liverpool they care about winning the cup but they don't care as much about winning the cup as teams like Villa do I'm delighted they're in the final yeah. Act like you've been there before How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Or I think is also I think Fabian Delft deserved the big mention here on this podcast. Not just because he was outstanding, I thought yesterday. I think it's Fabian Delft, no? He's yeah, what French, is he? Yeah, Fabian. I said Fabian. Oh come on! Did you try to claim him as well? Fabian Delft. His well, surname's probably, great, isn't it? <laughs> he deserves a big mention, not just because I thought he was outstanding, but because the guy signed a new contract for Villa, where he could have got could have gone to maybe any big clubs in in England, because you know. I think he's that good but he chose to stay there and some people said that's weird why would he stay there they're in big trouble their manager is rubbish they're not playing well blah 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 they have scored 11 goals in the, in the Premier League season. and he's, he's, he's stuck with them and you know that press conference after he signed when he said I stay here this is my club and those guys are my brothers and I, you know I think a lot of football players are maybe a bit cynical in the way that you know they say stuff they probably don't all think but I think that was genuine from, from Delft and I think that was brilliant and I, when I saw them yesterday you know in the dressing room the way they celebrate and all of that it made a lot of sense him saying those guys are my brothers and I wanted to stay with them you know, what, what was the difficult time at the time it, playing it, that FA Cup final I think for him as a captain you know scoring that great goal it was a fantastic goal with his rifle after the I think which was brilliant Alison yes he wanted to move on to Liverpool I believe well, let me just Bartelli say Bartelli was that not offside was he? Bartelli was offside sc- all the time the even. apart from once yeah when he scored well, he wouldn't have scored because the defenders stopped defending. Oh, enough of this, enough Alison of this. Speak, I, this just, just does my freaking head in. Go ahead. <laughs> I was watching the game and it struck me that Liverpool were like an American mum who has a daughter she wants to put into a pageant but can't decide, shall she wear the, the pink the pink ballerina dress? And, and, yeah, OK, she wore the pink ballerina, ballerina dress and then she realises there are other kids wearing pink ballerina dresses so she puts her in a nice cream sort of wedding dress style thing then she thinks, well, she's only six years old. Um, no, I'll put her in something a bit more subtle but she's got to wear lipstick and, and rouge. She's got to wear rouge. And Brenda Rogers was treating Liverpool like a mother sending his daughter off to a pageant and over-fussing and over-fussing and over-fussing. It was, it was, it was slightly pathetic and it made me feel slightly sick in my stomach the way that he... It was hyper, it was it was knee-jerk, faintly ludicrous that he would have started with three at the back because Bavilla are exactly the sort of team who would be able to press it and make it feel uncomfortable and they deserve to lose. The second half particularly was a totally and utterly witless performance. I think Rodgers has to face severe criticism not just for his man-management of Balotelli, which obviously is a subject close to your heart, Gab, but the way he's handling people like Markovic makes no sense. He is ripping confidence out of players. Why on earth? I mean, Barrett's given him a four in the ratings in the paper today. Don't agree with that at all. I thought Markovic was some way... He wasn't Liverpool's best player in the first half, but he was some way off being their worst player. He seems to have certain players who he will just think, right, it's not working, you're coming off straight away, destroying their confidence. Markovic isn't the only one. I think Lovren, his man management's been baffling. Lalana, it's been baffling. Barini, it's been baffling. Lambert is insulting. Lambert, someone I was with, I was at the game yesterday, someone said that if they were Ricky Lambert, they'd have refused to come on. It's an insulting thing to do. Oh, that's very professional. It's not professional at all, but sending him on on the night in the 90s. Who's shooting this idiot? Seriously. Tony Evans. I can see his point, though, because in fact... Right, but the the one other thing I would say, so I'm there's someone in this room who is 
not a believer in Rogers. I'm I'm Rogers neutral and have been for a long time. I think he has good things and, and bad things about him. I think his man management, as I say, is at times baffling. Jurgen Klopp is available. Jurgen Klopp is a is an upgrade on Brendan Rodgers. Liverpool have to make a very, very difficult decision and they have to think long and hard about it. From what I saw yesterday, Brendan Rodgers has improved Liverpool from where they were when he took over, no question about that. They were seventh when he, when he took over. They're kind well, of fifth now. Well, they've made a cup final when he took over. The, he's sure, almost were they finished in his first year? They finished seventh. Sorry, but over just the, checking that. Over the course of yeah. the three years, he's improved them. That's fair enough to say. But... When you have a manager who is so much better than Rodgers, and we don't know, just Klopp might not work anywhere other than Dortmund, it might not work out. You have to think about it, you have to be ruthless, because loyalty is a great trait and it's a great virtue, but loyalty is not the point of football to show how loyal you are. Liverpool have to really think about where they're going with Rodgers, because they can't give him loads more money in the summer. He spent 215 million quid. You can't give him a load more money to waste in the summer. I hate this when people do this. Doesn't matter how much you spend, what matters is the net spend. Fine, yeah, fine, fine. But Still it's not a lot, yeah, fine. Million. They, they've spent a lot of. They've invested heavily. Their recruitment has been a disaster, and they have to think about whether that. Do you give them another season to prove that last season was the real Rogers, and this season's been a bit, a bit of a disappointment? But that's a fluke. Or do you say, look, actually, in three years, we've not made the progress that we want to do. We think we can go and get someone who's better than you, and we do it. And that's what Liverpool have to think about now. I agree with everything that's been said. Oh, I just at two, add, you're going to have a go at Rogers as well. Steven Gerrard. Where did he play? Playing him, uh, he played everywhere. <laughs> even even Gerard himself did, had no idea, no clue where he played and where he was playing and what Rogers wanted him to do. In that, I saw him in the 90th minute. The guy was not even sweating. He went through that game like a ghost. He did. He had no clue what to do. Where there was the great pass for Balotelli, fair enough, right at the end, and the header, sort of like my nan would have saved that on the line anyway. Playing where he can have an influence on the game, not. Somewhere maybe on the right behind striker, but we're not sure. Look at what Coutinho is doing. Maybe do the same on the others. Come on, come on! You can't but treat Gerard the way he's doing. Okay. You the, can't the, treat Gerard the way <laughs> Rogers treated Gerard this season. If he's not good enough for you, fair enough. You, you know, you tell him. You said, but don't treat him the way See, you do when you play. This is what's mysterious to me. I know some people at that club too, and they say that Rogers has pros and cons. But he does send you out there with pretty clear instructions about what to do. Yeah, maybe Gerard didn't want to play in that position and said like, sorry, you know, I'm, that's not, that's not, that's not where I play. That's not me. That, I mean, that was that was surely one of the worst games I think Gerard has played for Liverpool. Surely, I mean, at least in recent, you know, I'm not talking like, and and for for Rogers to come out after that and said I thought he was excellent. That's that's even more. He said insulting. Balotelli was excellent too. Which, which I think Balotelli was good, but you can't say that. that you know, if I'm Gerard and I read that, I said, are you? Kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Come on! I thought that was the biggest insult of the whole afternoon. Rogers coming out afterwards and said, "Oh, I thought Stephen was excellent." Because we all love debates, we're going to have these little mini debates, which we can hopefully dispense with very quickly. Uh, there's something called the PFA Player of the Year for our listeners who do not know, voted on by the by the players. This award, it's a sham. It's a freaking joke. They've moved the deadline a little later. In years past, people were submitting their votes in January. I think it's a pretty well-known thing that at a lot of clubs, the PFA rep, who's one of the players, is supposed to go and make sure everybody votes. I know for a fact that in years past, in at least two cases I know of, one PFA rep filled out like 30 ballots. Mm. So really, this is just stupid. Just really, really stupid. However, it gives us a chance to talk about who we would vote choosing for a player of the year, choosing from their shortlist. There's another major dysfunction, which I'll get to in a minute. And the shortlist for the PFA player of the year 
is, by the way, when they say shortlist, it's not like they have to choose from these players, just that these guys finish the top six, right? Top six, yeah. yeah. So it's not really. <laughs> Why make it a top six? Why not make it a top three, top four? Because this is Britain and we do things the way we've always done them, Gal. <laughs> well, I just. What I liked was the Football League last night announced their team of the century. Why? It's 2015. With Gareth Bale in it. But it was yeah. the team of the decade. Or was team it? of the decade. Was team of the 2015. Decade. What decade? Glenn Murray was in here as well. Good point. The yeah. famous decade between 2005 and 2015. <laughs> Idiots. So, anyway, the, no, the, uh, the, the top, I shouldn't say the nominees, because not really nominees, the, the top six Finalists. are Diego Costa, Eden Hazard, Coutinho, Harry Kane, David De Gea, and Alexis Sanchez. Now, you're just going to give me your vote, and unless you say something stupid, I'm not going to ask you to justify your vote unless you want to. Alison. I'm doing what Jose told me to do in voting for Hazard. I think Hazard will win it, but I would vote for Harry Kane. Julian? I think Hazard will win it, I would vote for Alexis Sanchez. Really? Despite his weird drop-off, despite Arsenal losing the FA Cup final and then tailing off the end of the season, finishing third. No. I think I'm he's telling just, you what will happen. I know, and I think he's, he's just been fantastic. And if he had a little bit of dip, it's because for so long he carried the team on his own and obviously it was easier to see. But no, yeah, Hazard will win it and Hazard deserves it. Now, the PFA in their wisdom also have something called oh. the Young Player of the Year Award. From the ground, well, you it, can tell we all think that should be scrapped. Is no, it's not scrapped, the, but change oh, the yeah, rules. Is he under 30? Is he under 30? When you're under 30. Well, you know what's funny about Eden Hazard? So... He's won, like, because you have the same thing in France, right? And yeah. He's won the Player of the Year and the Young Player of the Year in France multiple times. Twice, I think. The candidates for PFA Young Player of the Year are Hazard, Kane, Coutinho, and De Gea, who are obviously all nominated for the, for the Big Boy Award uh, as well. And then Thibaut Courtois and Raheem Sterling. I'm assuming there's not much to discuss. You're going to vote the same guy for both, right? Yeah, but you wouldn't want to. Yeah, exactly. Why? Because you want Harry Kane to share the... No, but is it the, the, you'd the, want a, a young player to win it, probably. It, well, if you're nominated, player. it's simple. If you're nominated for the Player of the Year, if you make the top six of the Player of the Year, you shouldn't be eligible to I win agree. the Young Player of the Year. I of the year. But if you're Jack Grealish next season and you're 20 years old and you're lighting it up, you should be able to to win one of the two. You can't. It's, it, it makes it complete. It's worse this year than it normally is. To be fair, just there's so many young players on the senior list. Just change it. Just say if, if Hazard, Coutinho, Kane. And De Gea are all eligible, are all in the top six for the Player of the Year. Just give the six, the six young players to six other people. Make yeah. it more interesting. That's all yeah, you need cool. to do. Well, I, I just don't think there should be a young player because players peak much earlier now. Exactly. And the players, true, yeah. the players that excite well, us the most are generally young. And unless you're going to make it the 16-year-old no, of the year, there's no the point. Just change the cut-off date. Change it to like 22 yeah. when the season starts or something like that. And that, that, way you that, get, yeah. that way you get rid of Hazard, Coutinho and Kane. And then, you know... Would, would you probably get rid of Courtois as well, right? Yeah, I think so. And then it becomes the Raheem Sterling Award. Right, um, our other If Time debate, there was a, a boycott by Newcastle fans ahead of their game against Spurs. It's the age-old issues with, with Mike Ashley, and it's sort of compounded by the fact that they published their accounts, showed a profit. When I saw, I, I don't know if we have final numbers on this, but I know they were predicting sort of 15,000 people. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's pretty disappointing. I mean... Why isn't it more people? Why isn't it? I, I, I feel like there's a voice here. I feel like I haven't, and maybe and I, I haven't read the Newcastle Chronicle, but I feel like I haven't heard the voices of those Newcastle fans who maybe don't like Mike Ashley but still went to the game. 40,000, I think, in the ground. I wasn't surprised, but I agree with you. It would be interesting to know what their thought process is. Well, I it's mean, pretty obvious what their thought process is. These are, just, we these... support our, we're supporters, and therefore our job is to go along and support the team because the team... Our passion for the team is greater than 
whoever's owning it or whoever's managing it or whoever's playing for the club. And it's not going to get any better if we start wandering around with placards or phoning phoning shows or just not turning up. The way you make our club better is to remind everybody that we're a special entity and the North East is a hotbed for football and we're proud of who we are. No, I think, I think the people who go along probably feel lots of things, but that's their overriding emotion. They can still hate Mike Ashley. They can despise him, but they can still feel much more in their heart about wanting to be there, part see, of I, it, and wearing their replica sh- shirt. Than- I struggle to understand that. I mean, to me, that's kind of like, here is my udder, go ahead and milk me, Mike. If you, if you care about the team, if you care about the club, if you're aware of the fact that this is basically an interloper, and, and Mike Ashley, you know, and if you assume the fact that the club will still be there and you'll still be there once Mike Ashley's gone, I, I almost feel like even if you don't agree with the boycott, you, you almost have like a, a, a duty to participate, but it's, it's not like you're crossing a picket line. Most clubs have owners with where there's a problem between the fan and the owner. There are, uh, most fans would rather the owner of the club did something different to what they are doing. They would like... Right. At, 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 this very, at any one moment in time, there are very few fans who could say, I'm just so happy with the way our club's being run and when it was took over and how it was taken over, or I really don't mind that there are there are rumours about another takeover. Every fan has an issue with ownership models, but you, you accept it's like a, it's like a different part of, of the, the fan thing. You're never going to be in a position to own a club. They're like a different breed of people. These people have millions of pounds or access to billions of pounds or, or run countries and want to toy around with your football club and get a kick out of owning a football club you know there's a big difference there and you just have to cling to what you've always wanted which is a success and enjoyment and passion and and, an idea that the club are playing for you and they there is a connection between you and the players on the pitch you hope for all these different things and it's often the highlight of your week going along and it's ritual and it's about my father did it and my mother did it and my grandmother did it and I want to carry on doing it and there's loads of history and personal history and reasons why you would still go and still not like your owner I mean if you look think back to the green and gold or to the, the hits and Gillette thing at Liverpool and what have you there's always there's different there's different ways of supporting a club and it's it's I think to an extent with this it's about whether you support the club or you support the team so I think if you support the club Newcastle United you probably do have a moral duty not to go to the game but if you, you see yourself as supporting the team and I'm not saying that one is Better, better than the other, then yeah, it doesn't really matter who the owner is. You you want to go and see your 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 eleven boys doing their best trying to house. I, I can't even begin to relate to that latter category of fan. Neither can I. I, 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 I just <laughs> find it completely pathetic and, and anodyne and there's no meaning to anything anymore. Different strokes for different folks, Gab. Do you know what I mean? Some people but th- this is the no, thing. But that, I'd, I'd love to see these people come on television and defend their or the, on the radio and defend their views or in the newspaper. So the reason that or Green, somebody put, put somebody put this view forward. The reason that Green and Gold worked so well at Man United was because it was a visual manifestation of discontent. And it was also simply about raising awareness. It was, it's not yeah. like something green and gold no, no, was no. about anything beyond but if you want, like it had a goal you know, beyond the, that. The thing that one of the things that frustrates me most about football in the modern era is this myth of fan disenfranchisement. That this idea that fans can do nothing and well, we, you know, well, you know, if we don't go to the game, what's it going to achieve? They've sold the, sold the ticket. If you don't go to the game, if 50,000 50, people mm. don't go to St James's Park, if you don't buy any shirts, if you don't if you buy don't... any shirts, straight away that affects Ashley because the, the Premier League thing is built on the on the on the full stadium of on course. the atmosphere. If you walk out of a game, you have power. Abs- that's why the, some of the best the best demonstrations of it on, on the continent are the ultras not turning up and you get an empty end at the Stadio Olympico or whatever and they are saying 
we have this power. We can remove the one thing that we provide to you, which is invaluable, which is atmosphere. But a lot of fans don't see it that way, because a lot of fans do separate club and team, and they think that their duty is to, put, to support the team. I don't think that that's right. I think you support the club, you support the institution, because the institution is the the core. Of it, is the everything. core. It's the embodiment of your collective memory and your collective experience dating back over 100 years. That is what you support, the club. But a lot of people don't see it that way, and ultimately we can't make people think what we think. Time now for some quick hits. Manchester City upend West Ham. David Silva gets hurt. Allison, your mate Sam Allardyce gets angry. Let's talk about the future. Do you hear the cloppity clop of hooves <laughs> heading towards the editor head? Well, I, it seems the three places clop most likely to turn up is uh, City or Liverpool or Real Madrid. There are reasons why all three of those are odd. But of the three, um, maybe Liverpool makes the most sense. And wouldn't it be rather lovely if he brought Mats Hummels with him and the pair of them decided to um, plan for a Champions League domination for the next six years? Yeah, Mats Hummels is really cut out for the Premier League, isn't he? Arsenal are in the FA Cup final again, uh, but Julian, why was it so darn hard for them to get rid of Reading? It was a bit hard because of complacency, which is something they've got in them. And uh, I think they approached the game quite complacent, especially the second half after they went 1-11. The, the second half was quite complacent. And, you know, it almost... Uh, cost them a lot so in the end they won but they have to be really careful with that complacency Reading keeper Adam Federici makes some tremendous saves to keep Reading in the game but then also makes a huge comedy blunder that gives Arsenal the winner Rory this is where you say something poetic about how thankless the position of goalkeeper is come on go offside on us so the uh at the risk of repeating my match report, which in itself was a repeat of my online match report from Saturday, the worst thing for Federici wasn't the mistake. It wasn't the fact that he trudged off the pitch at the end with his um, his sort of uh, his hand covering his, his eyes as he was crying. It was the fact that the mistake came right on the on the cusp of half time and extra time. And so as he walked to the Reading huddle on the halfway line, he was staring at the big screen at the other end of Wembley above the Arsenal fans that was just showing what had just happened again and again and again. And it must have been absolute torture. And while Clark was giving his little team talk, Federici wasn't listening. He was just staring at the screen, watching him watching his own mistake. And that. M- you, like, you couldn't help but sympathise with him at that point. It must have been horrific for him. One more thing. I've lived here way too long, and I still don't understand you people. Who's the genius who schedules an FA Cup Wembley semi-final at the exact same time as Chelsea versus Manchester United? We've been through this before with Julian, but I want to reiterate this. Especially on a day when there is no early Saturday kickoff. No, seriously. Why could you have one of these games at 12.45? Allison? Because... Uh, everyone knows you get more people tuning in if you do it at tea time. You get a big tea time audience. So right, both. but everybody knows that if you have two games at once, uh, you, know, you can't watch. You can't stand- watch there games. was a standoff. Both parties wanted the tea time slot. Both parties thought the other knew where they stood and should have backed off. Thanks to their win away, the Newcastle Spurs are now on pace to finish on 66 points, which is three fewer than last season when AVB and Sherwood both were shown the door. Julian, this won't happen in the summer. We won't have a managerial change, but should we? No, no, no. It won't happen and it shouldn't happen anyway because I think Pochettino is the right man for the job. It's his first season. He needed to get his method across at the start of the season. That's why they had a slow start. And then things got a bit better and nice you know, towards the end of the season. I think a few players are a bit, a bit tired. But it would get them better and it would get them where they want. It was Sherwood's first season too. Yeah. First half season. He got no love. I know. 
Mighty Leicester City win again. Now, if the season began in April, they'd be top of the league. And indeed, some of us, i.e. me, predicted last week that they will stay up. Rory, are you going to join me and Nigel and Wes and Jamie and Esteban on the bandwagon? There's room, you know. All it takes is a little bit of king power, of which they have plenty. I still think it's dead tight. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to put money on it either way. I think they play Burnley. King power. They play king Burnley power. away. King power. Other Thai duty free chains are available. Um, no, the- they are. They have a monopoly. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> Um, but they even have a player named Andy King and they he do, scored yeah. how awesome is that they must, they, 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 there used to be who was this player called Power there was definitely a player whose surname was Power Phil Power that's Phil the Power Taylor yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the um, Esteban Chamiasso is, is I, if I had a vote for player, for player of the year which I suppose technically I should in the FWA I'd vote Chamiasso's been it's just an, it's, that's an extraordinary story and he's, yeah. he's turned himself he, Chamiasso basically spent 10 years at Inter standing in the centre circle making tackles and he's turned himself into this all action midfielder he's like 70 it's amazing oh, Esteban Tambiaso has, has been I mean I love him I love him in every way uh, Gab I've got a question for you there were two big derbies in France and Italy this weekend which was the more exciting yes I have to say it was the <laughs> French derby between uh, Olympique Lyonnais and Saint-Étienne which featured a tremendous uh, fight back from uh, from this young OL team down to 10 men Saint-Étienne are one of those like I think really nasty, grind it out sides. They like never score. They're just they're just physical. They run into people, and the youthful exuberance of OL basically saved them a point, which means they're level with PSG, but they have a game in hand. And in Italy, the pre-match choreography, especially from the Inter fans, was fantastic. This is what being a fan is about: not going into the stadium, into St James's Park, and getting milked by uh, Ashley. Take note, but the football on the pitch was was not good, uh, especially, I thought, from Pippo Inzaghi's AC Milan. Well, there was a funny um, Philippe Mex's own goal, which was disallowed, but that game finished no-no. Right, that's all we've got time for this week. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes or Player FM for Android, please do so today. Check out thetimes.co.uk on your digital device. Members get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. If you're not a member yet, take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search Time Sport Online. Uh, We'll be back here next week, same place, same time. Uh, Till then, bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.